Hi, this is Money Honestly. I'm Jana Heron, and today Stephanie Asimkos, a reporter on my team at Yahoo Finance and Cache, is joining us. We'll be talking about the growing food insecurity in the coronavirus pandemic. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jana. So this is this is kind of a sad topic. Um, one of the things that we have seen since the pandemic started, especially in the very beginning, and I would love for you to tell us what you what you saw and found, is that a lot of people aren't getting the food that they need for their families. That's right. Uh, this country has a, a major food insecurity problem that the coronavirus has really you know, just shined a very harsh, fluorescent, terrible light on. And, um, you know, we're sort of seeing this breakdown between food insecure people, the unemployment system, the strain on our nation's food banks, pantries and kitchens, and then the sort of the problems with the government aid for food assistance and then on top of all of that, there has been a, a massive breakdown in the grocery supply chain for the country. So just a little bit of a problem going on. So a lot of factors coming together at the same time, perfect storm for food insecurity. Absolutely. So let's go back to the beginning or around April um, when you were looking into people filing or applying for food stamps, what did you find at that time? Right. So in April, that was really the height of unemployment. Uh, I think we were we were over 20 million uh, Americans who filed for unemployment. And kind of that was making the, the big splashy headline. But what was also happening sort of behind the scenes is that those people we're also applying for food stamps. And in food stamps, we use it colloquially, but it's actually SNAP. And SNAP is an acronym that stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And that is the government's um, you know, federally funded food assistance program for individuals and households that are low income or just non-earners right now. And does the federal government administer this program or is it done through this through states? So it's actually over over, you know, <laughs> the overarching agency is the USDA. However, each of the 50 states administers its own program. And sometimes it goes by SNAP, other countries, other countries. Jeez. Uh, hang on. Let me, let me pull it together. Start all over. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's known as SNAP. Other states have other names for it. I know, for instance, California calls it CalFresh. Uh, that all means the same thing. It is government food assistance. Okay. And then in April, you said you looked at like six or seven different states and you found that all of them had a huge increase um, in applications from like mid-March to mid-April, right? Yes. So California and Texas reported a 48% and then a 102% respectively year over year increase in applications in March. Um, Nevada and Rhode Island, their applications jumped 23% and then 77% just compared to the two previous, or sorry, to the 
30-day previous period. Um, Louisiana and New, New York also saw their applications double and sextuple in March. Okay, interesting. And you caught back up with some of those states uh, recently to find out what was happening with the food stamps uh, or the SNAP programs uh, now. And what, what did you find out? I did. Um, you know, all of it mirrored where COVID is spiking and then where COVID is dropping. So for instance, in New York, I mentioned that New York SNAP applications um, doubled in March and actually because New York is sort of past its peak and states like Florida and California have sort of overtaken as the new nation's epicenters um, and New York's kind of getting its act together now, staff applications have actually decreased, which is you know wonderful. And that's a testament to just New Yorkers getting back to work, getting income again, which is wonderful. However, states like Louisiana um, and Texas where we see that COVID is just ravaging communities and cities, SNAP applications are up again and kind of have sort of stayed at that same bar that was first hit in March and April. Right, because in March and April, that's when we nationally, there was that shutdown. So nobody was going to work. So then you got that increase in people needing food assistance. And then those states started to open back up, but now they, while not shutting down again necessarily, right? They are they are definitely scaling back their real yes, business. they're they're people. rolling back on right. a lot of the measures that we know now, and we can see clearly that they were prematurely lifted, and so it means that someone, say someone who worked as a, a server in a restaurant, was laid off mid-March, April time, went back to work, say someplace like Houston, and now they might be out of work again because bars and restaurants are reclosed. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. So so then, like you said, you're seeing that rise in food need in those areas. Um, what about the food banks? You talked about those earlier. What what role are there are they playing? Um, what did they see before and now? So food banks, I feel like I have so my heart beats for food banks right now because they are all five hundred one c threes, which means they are um, you know tax exempt charitable organizations, and they do not charge anyone who shows up in search of a meal or anyone who is hungry. So there is no expectation of repayment or donation. And what has happened is that people who, you know, don't meet that threshold for SNAP benefits, their hunger doesn't go away. So they will lean into food banks to sort of make that, bridge that gap for them and you know, meet that need. So I have been talking to food banks, um, sort of the first wave I talked to them in April and I talked to the largest cities in the nation. And then they all said that, you know, demand was, you know, nearly 200% of what it 
was pre-pandemic. Uh, I talked to the um, president of the Houston Food Bank and said that, you know, there was so much demand, they couldn't meet it all because they just weren't prepared. Uh, there were people in cars that were, you know, lined up that stretched for miles. And, you know, it just, it's so, it's so heartbreaking because it's very real. Like we all get hungry. I get hungry every couple hours. Everyone does. Um, and, and to be, to be without food is, is, you know, terrible on top of all of this. Right. Yeah. Because there's already stress that you're dealing with when it comes to your health. And then if you can't get enough to eat, that makes it even worse, especially if you, you know, you have a family, you have children and that's going to be just devastating. Yeah. Well, the, the child piece is, is, you know, the most interesting because, you know, since schools closed in mid-March in a lot of parts of the country, and there's a good percentage of children, school children who are on free and reduced lunch, families and households really relied on schools to feed their children for those five meals a week at minimum for lunch. And then, you know, a lot of other districts offer, you know, breakfast, lunch, and then either an afternoon snack or we'll send children home with sort of a meal starter kit. So the absence of that has been so devastating, uh, particularly in Los Angeles County, where I talked to the president of the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Right. And that's that's a good point, because school is, you know, around the corner, um, but the reopening of school is vary depending on where you are. Um, there's either all remote, which I think in Los Angeles, they're doing all remote. Yes. Um, or there is going to be some kind of blended uh, type where you have some in-person instruction and the rest remote, which is what New York City is trying to do. Um, so that that food insecurity problem for children might persist in a place like LA where you're still remote. Yes. And it's also an issue in South Florida. Um, it, it's really, it, it's really awful of, and, you know, schools have done a great job of giving out lunches and having people come to the schools and do sort of, they call them grab and go distributions. Um, but, you know, not everyone has transportation available to them that they can get to the schools. There's, you know, children aren't being bused anywhere. And, um, you know, the, the president of the L.A. County Food Bank just doesn't think that it really has the same impact as children attending school live. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's that's really terrible. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is happening now, which relates to all the things that um, you, you've told us about regarding food stamps and food insecurity in the food banks, is that a lot of people who lost their jobs were able to get unemployment benefits. Up until this week, they got an extra $600 on top of the unemployment benefits that they would get regularly from their state. And that was a huge increase for a lot of people. And really, in some cases, people actually got more in unemployment benefits than they earned regularly. And that helped people who keep from feeling or uh, experiencing food insecurity. But now those benefits are set to go away and we're not sure what's going to be replacing them, whether it's going to be um, anything or a reduced amount. So what were the when you talk to people about that expiration, what what did you find? 
So the food banks are, you know, very well aware of this. We're recording this on July 29th. That $600 is set to expire on July 31st. So, you know, we're, we're really right there. Um, the food banks are prepared for another surge in, in clients seeking assistance. Um, but the thing that they really need right now is just more food. Uh, they have the, the volunteers. They have the power to serve these massive populations and and the food banks I connected with were some of the largest cities in the country, you know, Houston, Miami, um, Los Angeles, and they serve, you know, really wide areas besides that metro hub. So they're ready, um, but they just need more food. And when it comes to applying for SNAP, um, when you had that extra six hundred dollars, is it possible that a lot of people beforehand, actually because of that six hundred dollars, didn't um, qualify for that food assistance? Yeah, it's kind of a paradox, right? Where you know there were people receiving unemployment benefits plus the six hundred dollars weekly that was automatically tacked on, regardless of how much you um, were earning and unemployment. Um, so you're right. In some cases, people were out earning what they previously did pre-pandemic. Um, so in the absence of the $600, uh, it's really going to really knock some some households and some individuals down in, in income. But it could have, you know, put you over the threshold for qualifying for SNAP benefits, um, meaning now in its absence, depending on how many dependents you have, meaning how many people are in your household, how many mouths are there to feed, and depending on what state you live in, because you know we all know that states have different standards of living, different costs of living, um, and they all have different thresholds for SNAP you know, income benefits. Um, so depending on where you live, how many people are in your family, and how much you earn, um, you might qualify now if you didn't qualify before. That's interesting. So did you talk to some um, uh, state SNAP agencies um, and ask what they're expecting? I did. And I actually, um, you know, I connected with agencies in, you know, California, Louisiana, New York, Texas, um, you know, and they've all have said that they are able to meet the funding obligation because funding is, you know, sort of, split, um, you know, some way it's, it's split between the federal government and the states. So the states are ready and they can make their contributions. Um, but there is still a very heavy caseload in, in some of these states. And I actually talked to an economist about this and, you know, we tried to, he really forecasted is there really going to be a surge of people? And he actually predicted that there wasn't and that it's going to take a lot more time. And it's really just that, you know, people are going to have a lot more urgency for income right now. Um, but the people sort of in that, in that Venn diagram of people who receive unemployment benefits and then the people who receive government food assistance, that intersection is just, he said, it's a pretty small, small slice of people. Okay, well, that's interesting. And like yeah. you said earlier, um, before, like the, that's where the food banks step in. If you don't qualify for SNAP assistance, then 
the food banks get that that portion of people who are still need some kind of um, food, help with food. Yes. And, you know, when I did my first round of reporting about the people who were visiting food banks in need of assistance, um, you know, many of them said that there were people there who had never, ever before sought the help of a food bank. So this pandemic has really, you know, really increased that food insecurity and who I guess maybe we previously thought of as food insecure has really widened that net because it's people that are first time, first time clients. Right. And this is also happening at a time, like in the last couple of months, we saw rising food prices. I mean, I know going to the grocery store, certain things I pay a lot more for than I did, did before. So that just makes things even worse. Definitely. Groceries are really expensive right now. And, you know, not everyone, not every household, not every individual can afford that luxury of online shopping um, because you, there's a premium for online food shopping through companies like Instacart or Amazon. Um, So, you know, not every family can afford that. And even when you're in store or you buy your groceries online, they are much more expensive. And we know this because there has been a total breakdown in the supply chain for groceries in the country. Um, Earlier in the pandemic, there were, you know, workers and plants who, you know, that were shut down. So there was you know, less people to produce and package our food. And then there were less people to move all of our food around. Um, You know, just thinking about it, like, you know, I I live in Brooklyn and it's like anytime I want to eat like a pineapple or a banana, like that gets imported. We don't grow those types of foods here. They all get brought in and they all come from somewhere. And so there was a breakdown there. And then there were more people food shopping. So there were more things. So all of the all of the items that grocery grocers donate to food banks people were buying. So there was less available to donate to food banks. And then food companies were rolling back and scaling back. So they weren't able to donate as much to food banks either. So food banks were really, really pinched in that equation, as was the consumer or as is the consumer because groceries are still pretty expensive. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think I just saw um, not that long ago that the USDA forecasts grocery prices to rise by 3% this year, which would be like the largest annual increase since 2011. So yeah, that doesn't make anything any easier. So say if um, I am in a situation where like I might need some food assistance, can you walk us through how to um, sign up for say for SNAP? Yeah. Uh, you know, depending on where you live, each state operates with its own set of eligibility guidelines. And so you can file your application either online or by mail. Um, Personally, my advice is to go online just so you don't have to deal with just the lag uh, that, you know, snail mail provides. Um, But most states right now are trying to approve or deny applicants within 30 days, um, which is, you know, Really, they're bringing in, like, you know, Louisiana, for instance, has brought in more caseworkers. So more caseworkers means that more people can, you know, get their approval or denial faster. Um, 
If you are in dire, dire shape and dire needs, some states will offer expedited benefits to you um, that can get to you within seven calendar days, which I know sounds like an eternity when you're hungry and your family is hungry. Um, but in that case, that's when you would visit a food bank. But you should gather all of your financials and your personal information um, and those who are also in your household. So things like social security numbers, identity, um, right now, SNAP is only available to U.S. citizens, so you would need your proof of U.S. citizenship and then proof of income and expenses. So once you sort of get that, once you have all of your documentation, uh, then you can sort of have a more seamless application process because you won't be digging for anything. Right, right. Um, and then what if, what happens if you all of a sudden get a job? <laughs> Oh, okay. So um, SNAP benefits are actually issued monthly, whereas unemployment benefits are issued weekly. But at any case, the SNAP benefit is open-ended, whereas, um, you know, unemployment, you have to reapply. I believe it's every two weeks. Um, at least that is in, for, for New York. Um, but any change in income, you as a recipient, are required by law to report. Gotcha. And then how will you get your SNAP benefits? Is it, do they send you a check? Do you get a direct deposit? How does that work? No, it's um, very 21st century. You actually get a debit card. Um, sorry, it's not, that's wrong. It's not a debit <laughs> card. What's it called? <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Okay. Um, it is very 21st century. You actually get a card. Uh, it's called an EBT card, which stands for electronic balance transfer. And it looks and feels just like a credit card or a debit card. And it can be used at uh, farmer's markets, um, grocers, um, any place that sells food. And um, like I said, the benefit is open-ended. So on a certain day of the month, your entire monthly allotment will just automatically transfer to that EBT card and you'll be good to go. All right. So then there's no stigma or make you don't feel weird going to the grocery store and having this card if it looks like a debit card or a credit card. No, and I, and I actually talked to a young man who was in his 30s. Um, I shouldn't say that young man. That's I don't know, like a grandma. Um, hang on. Let me fix that. <laughs> he was a sweet boy. Um, all right. Uh, I actually talked to someone who was a uh, server and working in Rhode Island, and he's in his 30s, and he applied and was using SNAP benefits for the first time in his life. And he actually said to me that it, there's no stigma at all. The only person who knows that it's an EBT card is the cashier. And, you know, when you're at that little space in at the cashier station and checking out, there's no one that's like, looking. It's it's really just you and the cashier. And if you still even feel embarrassed or there's a twinge of, of anything there, just go for the, the cashier list checkout if that's available um, in your grocer. Right. That's a really that's really good advice. And no one should feel shame. Everybody is going through a very difficult time one way or another during this pandemic. And some people 
are bearing the brunt of it. And so they might find themselves um, relying on these resources, either SNAP or food banks for the first time. But, you know, when things are over, there's always a chance to pay it forward and, um, you know, donate to those food banks when you can. Right. And they're all there because people need them. So, so make use of, of their, of the resources because they're there to be used. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for outlining this um, and telling us what's going on and for joining us today on Money Honestly. And thanks for everyone listening. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll see you next week.